Thanks for joining us today. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to share your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's Word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Well, my name is Ryan, and uh, I feel I'm getting my pulpit here. Right on. Thank you, T. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. I want to say a special thank you to Pastor Tim. Um, He's really been giving opportunity to a few of us uh, guys recently, the Next Gen team specifically. So I'm the third of three consecutive Wednesdays with Next Gen guys preaching. And so Pastor Tim, thank you. Of course, he sends his greetings, but, but he has resourced this church for the Next Gen in a way that I've not seen or worked with anybody before. So we're so thankful to him and really thankful to you in the way that you've, the way you've given, the way you've loved us, the way you've given up this whole section right here tonight to this uh, beautiful, amazing group of young people. So thank you. So I, 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 uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm the next-gen pastor. So what that means is I get the opportunity to uh, oversee our team, which is from babies to young adults. So you had Pastor Tim a few weeks ago, one of our students' pastors, Pastor Nick, who's our young adults' pastor. And so I'm, I guess I'm batting clean up here. And so um, I'm excited to share with you a little bit. I wanted to tell you a little bit about, about myself. I'm definitely, uh, I, I'm definitely more of a behind-the-curtains the kind of guy. I, I typically feel pretty safe uh, back there. And behind the, sort of like the wizard behind the curtain, I guess. And something, a few interesting facts about me. First of all, I have a resting grumpy face. So it's just, this is how I was made. So it's not that I'm sad or upset. It's just for some reason when I'm resting, my, my lips droop down. So I'm totally happy, really. And then the only other interesting fact about me is I have a cardigan for every day of the week. So that's, that's about it in a nutshell. But let me tell you about my family, which is a lot, lot more interesting. I have a wife been married for 18 years, and her name is Leah, and she's probably rocking one of your babies right now. She's in the back. She works with the nursery crew. Um, she comes home smelling like what you would imagine a baby would smell like, and so after 18 years of marriage, we both agree I don't hug her until she typically changes clothes and then comes back, and then because then, then, it's always like right there. There's always weird smells and things, um, and then I'm, I'm a father. I'm a parent of two sons, Ethan and Tyler, and I think they're, I think, I know one of them's here tonight. Uh, is Ethan around? Okay, there's Ethan. I, he, he came in late. So um, we'll talk later. Uh, no, seriously, I, I love being a parent. And this tonight, is, is, this isn't just about, I'm not going to just be talking to parents. I'm not just going to be talking to students. I'm going to talk to the church. But I do want to tell you something about being a, a father, being a parent. It's, what I love most is it's an adventure. Every day you wake up, you have no idea what's going to happen. Right? I mean, I think, I think trying to, like, traverse Mount Everest would be a little bit simpler than trying to parent at times. Because at least you know on Everest you have a 90% chance you're going to die. But with, with parenting, you just don't know what's going to happen. And so, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but my wife and I will look at each other. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in a discussion. That's code for argument with one of our kids. And, and uh... And, you know, they'll walk away, and we look at each other, and we, and we say four words to each other almost every time. And it's like we hold on to these words. It's just a phase. <laughs> right? So parents, or not even parents, have any of you ever used that quote? It's just a phase. It, it's like, it's like that, that phrase 
gives us something to hang on to. It's like our hope is found and that whatever's happening right now is going to be over soon. And so, so t- tonight, you know, this is sort of the discussion I want to I talk about. And, okay, by the way, I was a, I'm a preacher's kid. So I grew up in church, and I'm going to do something tonight I always promised myself that I wouldn't do, which is pick on my kids the whole night. Because my dad always did that, and it drove me nuts. And you know what I'm so impressed with Pastor Tim is that he doesn't do that. Um, or at least I haven't seen him do it much. Uh, maybe he did it, you know, 20 years ago. I'm not sure what was going on. But, but I'm going to do a little bit of that tonight, but I got permission. I promise. It's in writing. Um, it, it, so we're not going to have to have therapy or anything like that later. So, but I want to start with myself. I want to talk about a few phases that I went through, okay? So, and I think that all, all of us in here can probably identify with some of these phases. So when you're first a little kid, you go through the innocent phase. No matter what you do, you're innocent. You're not going to get in trouble, right? You can break stuff. You can say things that are, are, you shouldn't say as a little kid. No, and I hate you. And it, it's innocent. And mom and dad, they laugh. And they think it's sort of cute. Well, that changes quickly. Then you go into the, well, I did. I went into this lying phase. No, I know. And, um, and I think my son Tyler actually picked this up for me eventually. Maybe that's, I don't believe in karma, but if there was karma, that would be karma, I guess. Um, so I had this, I went through this lying phase where I just lied about everything and I made tall tales up. I, I told people my name was something that wasn't my name. I had, I had a pseudo name. I would tell people my name is Matt. I'm like four telling people that. Why? I have no idea. It was really weird. But one of those, one of those lying fa- phases, I mean, it got, this is how out of hand it got. We were in church one night. I was sitting on the front pew. And pew, you guys remember what pews, pew are? It's made out of wood, right? Well, our church was so awesome, we didn't even have the covers on the pews. Just straight pews. So it was, it was, it was bummed to wood. I mean, it was just right there. And, and I wasn't feeling good that night. And I was sitting next to my mom. It was a Wednesday night. The, the guy that was singing the song was up front, and my stomach started to, like, make all sorts of weird sounds. It was hurting. I could feel pressure building up, and I'm, like, five or six, and I was trying my best to keep it all in. But, you know, the church I grew up in, sometimes services were two hours. It's physiology. I, I was doing the best I could. There's a point where it's like a pressure cooker, and it exploded. But, and I won't even use any other word. You know what I'm talking about. But here's what I did. Right when it happened, everybody, you can sort of, sort of look up, but, you know, they're trying to be spiritual, not laugh. And the first word, one word, came out of my mouth. Mom, I'm not joking. I really said that. And she pinched me, and she, in that moment, she took me down the center aisle, made me sit on the pew right outside the door. And at the end of the church, the best part, everybody's walking out. It was like a funeral procession. They were looking at me like, you're dead, boy. This was funny. So that's how bad of a liar, that was, my, that, that was my lying phase. But then I quickly changed to this truthful phase. It was ridiculous too because when I was in church and I was a kid, I would look through the Bible and try to find like bad words in the Bible because there was always a Bible right there in the front. And you could, you could look weird, like what they called a donkey in the King James Version, they used other words. I thought that was hilarious. And there was like H-E double hockey sticks and I'm like, these are bad words and it's in the Bible. So I'd be looking at weird stuff. One day I come, around, uh, come a, 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 along and I see this passage in Deuteronomy. And essentially in fancy King James, this is what it says. Ye, O parents, if ye have bad kids, chasten them and stone them to death. It said something like that. I paraphrased it. I'm not joking. It really was there. And, and something in me clicked and I got super truthful. So this is how truthful I would get. I would say truthful things that my parents were like sick of. Like I would be like, 
you know, I was the last one that used the toilet paper and I didn't replace it. And I, it was just silly. And my mom and dad eventually had to say, Ryan, we love that you're trying to be truthful with, it, with us, especially since the lying phase, but you got to chill out just a little bit. So I had the weird, the weird truthful phase. Then I went, this is my favorite phase, and somebody else on staff sh- shares this one with me. I went through the hypochondria phase. I, I actually remember the day. I was 12. I was in the backyard. I cut myself with a rusty nail. And I think I'd heard something in one of my medical classes. It, 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 was like, it was like my face was like totally normal, cut myself, no big deal. And I start to play this out, and all I hear was tetanus, lockjaw, death, you're dead. And in that moment, I became a hypochondriac, no joke, for the next 20 years of my life. I know you're laughing, but this is one where we shouldn't laugh. This is serious stuff, people. So I went through that phase, which I'm just now getting out of. I went through the army phase where I wanted to be in the army, and so I got a BB gun. And me and my friends all went through this phase together. Well, normal kids shoot like, like paper, and really bad kids might shoot a bird. We shot each other, shoot, shot up my front four teeth. I have fake teeth on the top. That's, that's the army phase. I, I'm not making this stuff up. Um, then I went through the girls phase, which, which, you know, most guys eventually hit the girls phase. Then I went through a hated church phase, really, as a preacher's kid. I didn't hate God, but I definitely hated church. And so that was sort of an intense time for my parents. I was still in high school. Then I went through this dad almost died phase. He had a, a, a brain clot. He was in ICU for two weeks straight. And it did something to me mentally where I was just, I wanted to be at the hospital every second. I was trying to ditch school just to hang out with him. It was a very, very intense time in my life. And then we go into the newlywed phase and you have the first year of marriage, which is the hardest, right? The first year is the hardest. Is there any first year newlyweds in here? Because I'm going to give you six words to live by, guys. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. It's that simple. So... That, you can send me a check for counseling now if you want or whatever. So, and then you got like the fifth year of marriage, the tenth year. And then I'll get to the parenting phase in just a second. But here's the point. If any of you identified with those phases, those things shape us. The good ones and the bad ones. They, they make us who we are. I want you to think about your own phase for a second. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pick on you in a, a really intense way. I just want to do something sort of simple. The way some of y'all dressed back in the day, that was weird. Some of y'all's music, it was weird. So I'm going to make fun of it for a second, all right? So here's what we got. I, th- I, wanna, I want you to go back. Let's go to the 50s, all right? So let's check out how do we dress in the 50s. What did it sound like? Hit it, guys. So come on up. Yep. So we've got the poodle dress face. Raise your hand if you ever had a poodle dress. Anybody? Guys shouldn't raise your hands on that one. Okay, thank you. So... Poodle dress. Then we go into the 70s phase. This was a bad time, all right? Come on up. So we got, we got the disco. The Bee Gees. Really? That was, that was a rough phase. That was your phase, not mine. Then we, we go into... Nice. We... <laughs> We, we go into my favorite, the 80s. I loved the 80s. So let's, let's come on up here with the 80s. So, right, Madonna, hair bands. She's rocking the 80s. Thank you. Now, if, if you were a Christian in the, fa- in the 80s, you had to listen to Striper. But other than that, you could still, right, remember Striper? And then, and then we'll fast forward and we go to today, which is the, the time of the hipsters. Okay, the hipsters, they don't care. They walk like they don't care. 
What he's saying is, I don't care, but by saying that, he's saying, I really do care. So as you can see, phases, they're not just a part of life. They're the way that we can look, the way that we dress, the music we even listen to. Thank you guys so much for coming up here this year for my lovely models. Okay, so tonight, it's just a phase. That's what I wanted to entitle tonight's message. But there's a blank, and we're gonna fill, I'm going to make you stay on the edge of your seat for a second. There's, there's more to come. But we're going to talk about, in life, it's just a phase. And I sort of want to understand what this whole concept of phase means. Uh, it's us pastors, we love to sound smart, typically by looking up Webster Dictionary definitions. So I did that. And this is what it says. A distinct period or stage in a process of change or forming part of something's development. And these phases, they don't just apply to our lives. They don't just apply to our culture, our music, the way that we dress. They can apply to nature. If you watch, I love like documentaries. I love to see how nature goes through phases, how a caterpillar could turn into a butterfly, how those kinds of things work. Construction, is anybody like waiting on your house to get built? And, or like you're trying, you're in the, like the real estate phase and you're like, we're in the, we're in the building phase. And then like, you know, two years later, we're in the building phase. And it, it, you know, you're like, it's a phase. You're like, come on, let's get past this phase. But what's weird is we tend, we tend to look at phases as something that's bad. It's like we're holding on to this idea to say, I can make it through tomorrow because this is just a phase. It's almost like um, we have made this word have a negative connotation. And when you look even into the Bible and, and what the Bible talks about phases, it might use a different word, but it's the same concept. Does anybody know what that word would use in the Bible when talking about phases? Seasons. Have any of you ever said this? This is just a season. Yeah, I've said it. You've said it. And this is what we're saying. This is what we're saying. God, this is just a season. It's the inflection, right? We've got to get through this season. I love the 60s. I love music from the 60s. I think Simon and Garfunkel singing a harmony is the greatest thing on the face of the planet. But you remember that song, Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds? So I loved that song growing up. My sister got me into to 60s music. There was an oldie station. And I thought these guys were brilliant. I, I thought these words are the smartest words I've ever heard in my life. These guys must have not been like hippies and high writing the song. They're just, they're, they're amazing. Well, I found out, you know what that is, that song. It's just, it's from, the, it's from the Bible. It's from Ecclesiastes. It's from Solomon, the wisest man to walk on the face of the planet outside of Jesus himself. And I'll just read a little, a little bit of that verse. It says this, for everything there is a season. A time for activity under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. That's Ecclesiastes 3. You will be singing that song all night long, by the way. That's, that's what I've been doing for the last three days. I can't get it out of my head. Anyway, so throughout the Bible, though, this is, this is where I'm getting. Throughout the Bible, God uses this concept of time and seasons and ultimately phases to teach us about his nature. We, we see throughout the Bible how time plays into everything that he, he does. We see numbers, you know, there's, there's the number of the beast, there's, number, there's the heavenly number of seven. Time is a big deal, and seasons is a big deal. Now, I, I said earlier, I was going to pick on my kids a little bit. Well, I, I want to I sort of go back to that for a second. I, I love this opportunity, so I'm going to take it. Um, I want to talk about a few seasons of my own kids, and I, I'm going somewhere with this, so, so hang with me. So we had the diaper phase. And the first few days, you think it's cute. you got a brand new baby at home. 
It's black, though. That's the weird part. If you ever have babies, that's the stuff coming out. It's, it's not normal. But it's cute, right? That lasts about a day and a half, and then it's the worst phase on the planet, all right? The diaper phase, not cool. We even had the diaper phase where my son took his diaper off. It was full of what you would think it would be full of. He jumped in it. He danced in it. He walked around the room. I came home. I thought he had been in the backyard in mud, and I thought it was funny. I was like, hey, Leah, there's, there's mud fr- footprints on the carpet. She's like, that's not mud. And then the, the whiff hit me. The great poopy dance of, of 03 is what we call that. So that was a phase. There's the no phase, right, where, where kids are like, no. And you're like, no. And they're like, no. And then we're wondering, why do our kids say no? Because we're always saying no. It's the first word that they learn. But it's almost the way that a kid says it. It's, it's like they're, they're only like two. They really don't know a lot. But somehow the way they say that word, it's like, no. And this is what they're thinking. I'm two, but it's not happening. And as a parent, you're just like, please, please, please. So there's the no phase, not, not a great phase. Then, of course, and I don't want to bum anybody out in here who might be pregnant or who is about to have children. There's the terrible twos, the terrible threes, the terrible fours, the terrible fives, the terrible sixes. I got almost 16-year-old. We're still counting. So I'm just saying, these phases, it, it seems like it can go on forever. And we read about phases throughout the Bible. I think one of the most interesting stories in the, the Old Testament, I was thinking about every character I could go through. And I sort of started at Adam and Eve, and I went through all the main characters. Noah, and we get to Abraham. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob and Esau were brothers. Then, you, then I got to this guy, Joseph. And we've heard the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. It's a, it's a story that we teach children when they're young. But check out some of the phases. And I'm going to talk fast. If you haven't figured out too, I also talk fast. So you have to listen fast. Um, there's 13 chapters out of the whole book of Genesis, which is 50 chapters. 13 of those are just on the story of Joseph. So it's a big deal. It's a big story. And I'm going to encapsulate this in like a minute and a half. But check out the phases that he goes through. First of all, he's a beloved son. He's, he's um, Isaac's Favorite son. Jacob's favorite son. Nobody caught me on that? Come on. It was a test. Jacob's favorite son was, was Joseph. And then, so he was the beloved son phase. And then it went to the hated brother phase. Everybody hated him. Then it went to the sold into slavery phase. Not a good one. Then it went into the, it goes into, and by the way, I encourage you, if, if you're new to church or, or if this is your first time, read the book of Genesis. It's the most incredible story like Batman versus Superman coming up. Can't even touch the incredible story in the book of Genesis. Seriously. So those are, those are heroes. Um, so you had the work for Potiphar phase where he's like, okay, I was sold into slavery, but now I get to work for a sort of a fancy guy. Then he went to the, the accused of trying to sleep with Potiphar's wife phase. That didn't work out well, so he gets, thrown, he gets into the thrown in jail phase. And all the while, he's probably saying, this is just a phase. This is just a season, right? When he's running out the door and she's yelling, he, he did it. He's like, this has got to be a phase. So then you get into the dream interpreter phase, which is pretty awesome. It sort of gets him to be famous and gets, gets him out of jail. Then he gets into the Joseph becomes a ruler of Egypt phase. And he's thinking all those other phases might have just been worth it if he's in this position, especially because he gets into his brothers and family move to Egypt phase, and he's able to save them and feed them, and his relationship with his brothers is restored and with his father, and he's able to protect the Israelites, and they escape death. And it says he lived to be 110, and he saw three generations of his, chi- of his children. 
Now, when he's in the middle of those phases, let's, let's just think about the gel phase. When you're in it, he's not thinking, I'm in it to win it. He's thinking, this is just a season, right? But when he was 109, just imagine this. He could look back at the story, and he could say to his children, and to his children's children, and to his children's children's children, those were phases, but look where it's got us today. Look what God was able to do. So what is God teaching us about these phases? Well, I think, I think it's, it's actually sort of simple because I want to redefine this, this word phase. And this is, what, this is what I wanted to say. A phase is a time frame in your life when God can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence your future. I'm going to say that one more time. And if you try to tweet it and give me all credit, don't because this, an incredible guy named Reggie Joyner, he's talking in context of children wrote this, and I'm just applying it to all of us. A time frame in your life when God can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence your future. Now, there was, there was one phase I purposely left out in the life of my children. When uh, Ethan was two, one and a half maybe, I remember I was playing my guitar with my brother. We were sitting in my room, and he, he did this thing. He was sitting on the bed. He's so cute. He did this thing where he just like froze, and he looked like somebody had just like when a kid, like when you put, remember the first time you gave your baby lemon? And they're like, Ew. he did that. And me and my brother, we started laughing. It was the funniest thing. So we're laughing. And then like five minutes later, he does it again. It's like, oh, he learned like a new trick. This is what babies do. This is great. I mean, he was my first kid. What do I know? It's like, this is funny. And then he does it the third time. And I'm like, hey, Leah, come and, come and check out this trick that Ethan learned. And like every five minutes, he's doing this. And Leah's like, that's not a trick. Something is severely wrong. And again, I'm a hypochondriac, all right? So I, I went back into my hypochondriac phase, and I freaked out. And we threw him in the car. We, we drove to the ER. We get to the ER, and he's laying on the, on the, on the bed, and he's, going, he's having these seizures is what he was having. And I'd never seen that before. I didn't know what it looked like. And so I remember in that moment, there's so many weird things that go through your head when you're going through a, a phase, a, a time like that. So many things you think. And I, I remember thinking, is, is my son going to die? Is this, is this like your plan, God? Is this a good thing? How could you do this? I've done everything that you've asked me to do. And as he, for the next about year and a half, two years, he would have these periodic seizures. And the doctors could never really figure out what it was. And again, as, as the, way my, the way I was built, this was a huge burden on me. And I remember at times, people would come to us and say, you know what? They, they would say this verse. They would say, we, we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And i got to be honest with you. I didn't care about that verse when my kid was having seizures. It didn't work for me. There was days where I could have peace with that and I could say, okay, I can get peace and solace and that God is going to do something. But honestly, the, there was only thing I, one thing that my wife and I could do ultimately. All we could do was pray and trust God. And so my perspective, a father, a young father, I know I look like I may have had a kid when I was 13, but I'm actually almost 40. But I was a young father then, and, and I would say, God, all I can do is pray and trust you. This is horrible. And this was God's perspective. Ryan, all you can do is pray and trust me. This is great. Now, I didn't get his perspective. 
He could understand my perspective. He's a loving father. But here, here was what, here was what something, something that I missed that was important from that scripture about all things work together for good. And I want, I want to read it to you in context. Sometimes we pull out like certain verses, you know, and sometimes that's good and sometimes they literally just mean what they mean. Sometimes you need the whole thing. So let's go back a little bit. And we have it on the screens here. It says this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Let me stop there for a second. So what what God is doing right here is he's saying this. I know this phase you're going through. You're broken. You're scared. You don't know what to do. You don't even know what to pray. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you what you need to pray back to me. That, that's so cool, it sounds like it's cheating. Right? So he's, he does this. He says, Jesus is in you. My Holy Spirit is in you. You're so broken, you don't know how to pray. So Jesus is going to represent, he's going to represent you to me through prayer. But I am Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and it's me. By the way, if you're, if you're new to the faith, make sure you go to Growth Track, and we'll explain that a little bit more. But, but God, three parts in one, because that's the only way that we could understand the concept of, an, of this being was, was to put God on earth as a man and to, and to put God in our hearts as the Holy Spirit, and then there's God in heaven. So he says, I'm going to pray for you because you don't even know what to pray. That's how much I love you. Now, knowing that, now listen to this verse. Then it says, and we know that God causes everything to work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now that's a little bit more bearable. And honestly, it's a lot more believable. And then it ends with this. Again, you've you got to stay in context. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. And it, it, I know that some of us come from, from broken homes, but in God's design of what a father and son supposed to be, he is calling us a son. I have a son. You know what I would do if something was happening to my son? I would move heaven and earth. I would do anything. I'll take a bullet. The creator of the universe is saying, I know what you're going through. I don't even always cause these things to happen because I don't, I don't believe that God wants to be this, this mean being in, in, in heaven making horrible things happen to us. But he says, I know these things happen because you do live in a fallen world, but in that, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be with you, and I will, I will do something to make these things work together for good. So I'm going to ask a question. If you've ever been in, in, in school, college, you know your professors always answer your questions with a question. Check this out. What if the fact that the phases of life have become something we fear, while God has designed it to be the very thing that allows us to develop, grow, and become the people he designed us to be? Back to my kids one last time. They're getting older. They're going through phases. When I look back, those phases have gone by too quick. I wish I could get a few of those phases back. Watch this video real quick.
It's just a phase, so don't miss it. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. There's something God wants to do in those phases. And i got to be honest with you, as I was, as I preach, I, when I preach, I always feel like I do the first two parts. I sort of break my sermons into two parts. I always do the first two parts really good, especially the illustrations. I love illustrations. I always struggle in the conclusion. I'm not going to lie. I say conclusion too many t- times and closing too many times. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I conclude this? And I was like, okay, I'm going to say a cute little line. Hopefully everybody will clap. We'll be done. But then I started thinking about something. I just told you this. I just said, it's just a phase. Don't miss it. I was thinking, what if somebody's going through the phase of health, disease, divorce, addiction, hurts, anger, jobless, homeless? What if that's your phase? And I'm up here saying, it's just a phase, don't miss it. What do we do with that? And this, this, this is the best I could really feel like the Lord was giving me. Sometimes I'm, gonna let you in a, I'm letting you in on a bunch of Ryan secrets. Here's another Ryan secret. About every other Sunday, we do an anointing on Sunday, and us pastors get to stand right up here, and we anoint with oil because the Bible says to do that, and we pray for healing. I don't know. I've probably, I know we've probably done it more than 10 times. Let's just say that we've done it 10 times, and I probably pray for 50, 60 people. We'll say 50. That's low. So let's just say, for argument's sake, I've anointed 500 people over the last few months since we started that. And here's, here's the little secret. That, that Sunday when we wake up, I don't know about the other guys, but when I wake up and I see that, I don't, I don't, I don't, my heart doesn't sink because I have to stand over there. My heart doesn't sink because I get oil on my finger. My heart doesn't sink, sink because I've got to talk to somebody. My heart sinks because I know somebody's going to come up to me and say, I have cancer and I'm dying. This is my phase. What are we going to do about it? And for a long time, I really, really struggled with that. But as I was preparing this, this is what I felt God said. Every time some, and I always stand in the same spot. I'm a creature of habit big time. I don't know about you guys. I'm always right there. And when I'm standing right there and people are coming up to me, and maybe I've prayed for you before, there's one consistent thing that happens, whether it's the extremes of possible death or just a cold or a sniffle. There's always this little glimmer in in the person's eye. And it's, it's a glimmer of hope. It may be really small, but with God, that's enough. Because with God, that's what we get. When we have a relationship with Jesus, we get hope. Nobody else gets that. Nothing else gets that. But with God, we get hope. And, and this verse came to my mind. It says, humanly speaking... It's impossible. I think sometimes when I'm praying for people, this is what I'm thinking in my human flesh. You're asking me to pray for something that's impossible. But remember context, it says this, but with God, everything is possible. That's the hope. So to say that we're going through these phases and to not miss it, not going to pretend I always get it. I don't have all the answers. I probably have, I probably don't know more answers than the answers I do know. But I've got that hope. And I know that in that phase, somehow, some way, he uses it. Because if I see it with every single story in the Bible, Joseph, I've seen it in people's lives. And here's the reality, guys. For us as believers, 
we still get the final prize. We still get eternity in heaven. And here's what's tricky about that. I'm visual. I need to see it first. So I struggle with that too because I don't get to know what heaven's like. So I'm still scared to die. It's a scary thing. So I don't have anything, but I got one thing. I got hope. And it makes me want to keep getting in right there with Jesus and saying, I don't always get it, but somehow you're going to work this out so that something good comes from it. And even if it was my life, something else can come from it. Something great can come from it. So students, we're going to talk to students for just one second before I close. The phases that you're going through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is just a phase. So don't miss it. Don't miss what God is wanting to teach you. Because in my 40 years, one thing I've learned is that when I say yes to God, and he wants to grow me and develop me, when I don't catch it the first time, he'll come back and he'll, he'll do it a few times, and sometimes it's not always fun, right? So if we can get it early on, it's a lot better. It'll bode well for you. This group is laughing because they're like, yeah, yeah, we get it. It's just a phase, so don't miss it. Parents, for parents in here, the phases you're going through with your spouse and children is just a phase, so don't miss it. You have a legacy to leave. Don't miss the opportunity to pass down to your kids what you have learned and to create a legacy in your kids that will make them greater than you were. Is that not, as a parent, all of our prayers that our kids would be greater than we were? I found this app. Pastor Tom showed me this app. Check this out. It's called the Legacy app. You go on your app store, just type in Legacy Countdown. It's an app, and you type in anything you want really for a countdown. But I put my son's graduation. 113 weeks. 789 days, it goes into hours, minutes, schedule. Parents, I'm one. In 113 weeks, he may be there, but he's gone. He's out. I'm not saying I'm kicking him out. I want him to stay. I got a shed in the back. But I got 113 weeks. I got 113 weeks to do something and to leave him something. So those phases, I don't want to miss it. And then church... The phases you are going through with life, death, and everything in between, which is too much to, to say, it's just a phase, so don't miss it. Don't miss watching God do what he does best, the impossible. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.